0: All right, you guys, welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. I know I say this every time, but wow, do I have an episode for you today. Well, actually, no, I take that back. I have an episode for me today. Um, I have Simon Bray with me. He's the managing uh, managing director at Accenture. So yeah, 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 okay, that's great. But he's also a fellow mountain climber. He um, climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with me. And over seven days of living on the side of a mountain, not showering, eating some foods we liked and some foods we didn't like, the group of us really developed quite a bond, quite a level of trust. And um, we learned quite a lot about each other. It's amazing what what time like that will do. So I'm excited to just reconnect with him, but I'm also excited for you to meet him, for you to hear his stories, because um, he's probably the best storyteller I've ever met. Um, and so I'm just excited to have this conversation. Simon, I'm smiling from ear to ear just seeing your face on the screen.
1: Me too. Me too. And I, I think it's great to have the conversation today. And I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about our trip up the mountain is the ability to have long form chats So actually, I think you were talking about the the trust that got created in that group. I think one of the reasons that you create, the ways that you create trust, one is through experiences that you share together, which clearly we had, there were ups, there were downs, literally ups and downs, Uh, but also the ability to just talk in long form about what you think about stuff and what your experiences have been and connect to people in really meaningful ways that I think you can only do when you're, you know, you're, you're, you're walking for Eight ten hours. You have
0: nothing else to do. There's no phones. Don't work. You have nothing to distract you, and I think that's the difference. So, before we dive into all of these beautiful leadership wisdoms and learnings, I want people to know who you are. Okay. So, tell us a little bit about you, how you and how you got to this point in your success.
1: Yeah. So I. So I'm from the UK originally, although I now live in New York. I originally wanted to become a psychologist, Mm -hmm. so I did a psychology degree, and then I realized I didn't really want to be that kind of psychologist, but I still wanted to be involved with people. So I got into consulting and change management earlier in my career. It was kind of interesting, but I wanted to combine changing people with creativity. And so I spent the second part of my career doing innovation work. So really trying to help large organizations, large super tanker organizations behave more and think more like speedboats is how we framed it. So I did that for sort of second chapter. And then the third chapter in my career, which I'm kind of in now, is, okay, how do I really help create organisations and cultures that help people turn up and do their best work? And so some of that's leadership work, some of it's directly focused on culture, some of it's organisation design, so a bunch of things, but all about how do you get people to turn up and really, really love what they do? And that's sort of how I would frame my purpose right now. So Yeah, so it's been a journey, you know, 20 plus years. It's taken me from New London to New York, to Sao Paulo in Brazil, back to New York, to Singapore, back to New York. And I'm coming to you from Brooklyn today.
0: I love it. I love it. And that was, you know, it was fascinating. I told somebody that, you know, walking and being on the mountain and the conversations at dinner. And I don't ever really even remember telling somebody what I did for a living, But just because of the conversations, especially you and I were having around culture and even the culture we were seeing in the team that was leading us up the mountain and things like that, that it just kind of came out. Right. But nobody really worried about titles and what someone did for a living. We just spent time right, right, talking about what we see in the world.
1: I remember do I remember sitting with you at dinner, though, and talking about, you know, behaviors and how. You know, what drives behaviors that you see, and it's all about the beliefs you have in your mind that drive certain behaviors. And I was thinking to myself, you know, she should write a book on this. This is pretty good. And then, sure enough, <laughs> I had already written a book. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, that's crazy. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, um, it was a very, uh, interesting experience because on, on this journey, there were nine of us and there were nine thrown together fairly randomly. So you are, you do have a shared, interest in climbing this mountain and uh you know there's 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 definitely um a connection as a result of that but people coming from all over the world i mean if you think about our group you know there's there's there were two you know a couple from russia who are trying to you know dazzle the world with their brilliance and climbing mountains <laughs> and and what have you there's you know our friend dean who based in korea you know english guy living in korea we had two psychotherapists from australia you know i could go on and on so a really mixed bag of people and you're right everyone just turned up with i am here to try to climb this mountain to be with this group and to do it and what what i thought was really interesting is a quick transition from i'm turning up to do this myself to i'm actually part of a team that's doing that this and it was yeah it was a wonderful thing it was a really i took so many so many lessons away from it
0: So when you think about you mentioned all the places you've lived, right, the different chapters that have in your career, is there a leadership moment? And there's probably more than one, but one that sticks out that it's like that really framed up for me. Right. What leadership was or really had an impact, a person, a moment, an event that you remember?
1: Yeah. So obviously many, you know, through the through the through the years, I think the the thing that I've learned is to follow uh, skills and people so trying to make sure that whoever i'm working for or with is a a brilliant person that i can learn from and also to make sure i'm constantly on a learning curve so anytime i know i'm challenged i'm having to learn new skills that's been a a sign that i've been on the right trajectory but the moment that i think probably was most pivotal for for me actually goes back to when i was 10 years old Hmm. So and I didn't realize how pivotal it was at the time, but looking back, it definitely had an impact on me. So here's here's the story. So 10 years old and I'm living in the south of England and uh, it's summer. And every weekend, me and my buddies would go to the swimming pool, the local swimming pool. And in the swimming pool, there was a 10 meter high diving platform. and and 10 meters high when you're 10 years old is very high. Super, you know, Empire State Building, Kilimanjaro, yes. So (laughs) huge thing. And up the back of this 10-metre-high diving platform was a rickety ladder that you had to climb up. So this is in the mid-'80s, so it's kind of not not a lot of health and safety. (laughs) And at the top of the diving platform, opposite it was the cafe, where everyone would go after swimming to, you know, have a soda or whatever and kind of watch the swimming pool. And everyone would watch kids jump off the diving platform. So anyway, in this summer... Me and my buddies are clearly too young to dive off this diving platform and we're really scared of it and no one at our our age is jumping off it. And at the end of every swim, we would say to each other, today is the day we're going to jump off the diving platform. We'd pluck up the courage, we'd go across, we'd climb up the ladder. Kids would start to be in the cafe and they'd be like, look at these kids, these little kids are going to jump off the diving platform. We'd get to the top and it would feel like we were so high that it was impossible. My knees would start to go like jelly. I'd almost start to cry. People would start to laugh like it would be an absolute disaster. And every weekend when we went there, we'd have to go back down the ladder and would fail. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it goes through to the end of the summer. And this last weekend before we go back to school, and we all say to each other, we've got to do it. This is it. This is our chance. We really give each other a big one. And we go across we go up the ladder everyone in the cafe is looking we get to the top and as i get to the top i look around and there's my seven-year-old brother right behind me at the top and he's tiny compared to us and we're tiny compared to everyone else and i say to him look you can't do this this is for big boys even though i haven't actually been off it i'm like you can't come up he goes yeah yeah i can i want to come so i was like okay fine so i get to the top my knees start to go like jelly i start to cry i'm freaking out same with my buddies And my little brother just zooms off and jumps off the diving platform. And, you know, we looked at each other, me and my buddies, and the next, and we're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And, of course, the next thing we did was jump off the diving platform. So the reason I tell that long story is because, for me, I remember it so vividly. And I remember thinking to myself, there's no way, unless he'd have gone first, I would have jumped off. And that's really the lesson for me. The lesson for leadership is if you're asking somebody to do something, then you better do it first. And again, I only sort of crystallized that that was really what happened back then later in my career as I started to work. But it just it's such a profound moment. And, And when I look at leaders I work with now and when I think of how I try to lead it's always important that you're prepared to roll your sleeves up. You're prepared to do the hard work. You're prepared to to take yourself out of your comfort zone if you're asking your people to do that. Right. And so that was something that I, you know, I, I think about a lot and, and comes back to me. Now I should say I deny this story to my brother every person <laughs> comes up. So over well, dinner, we're gonna like, make sure he
0: has this podcast. So yeah, yeah, we can't share this with record. him
1: but he claimed and i sort of deny it now for, for sort of family <laughs> comedy reasons but um, yeah i think that was it and you know it's it's definitely an um a useful learning i think for everyone
0: how do you define leadership simon that's
1: a tough one isn't it i think uh, i sort of i i don't think i'd ever defined it well enough when i became a leader interestingly yeah. so i think a lot of people find this where you go through your career and you're suddenly in a leadership role yeah. And unless you've been put through lots of development and or you're lucky or you're a real natural, I think you suddenly have to shift gears and there's not a lot of playbook around it. Um, and now there's lots of things you could read, but you're just expected to become a good leader, essentially. Yeah. And so I think there are some technical skills that you need. You know, you need to be able to create a vision. You need to be able to set up the right conditions. You need to be able to know when to problem solve with teams. So there's a bunch of things you need to do but really for me it boils down to motivation so can you get people to turn up every day and actually really go for it and really bring their best selves whatever that looks like so i think that's it and and the 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 most profound experience i've had around motivation because motivation also in itself is quite a general term so what does that actually mean so I when I um I did a startup on my own with a couple of friends, we were talking, we essentially did a um a consulting business around leadership and culture. And as I was doing that work, I read this book called Primed to Perform. And it's a book that's written by um uh, Neil Doshi and Lindsay McGregor. And essentially what they do in this book, Neil and Lindsay, is unpack motivation and connect motivation to performance. Anyway, I read this book and I was so inspired by it that I actually ended up joining forces with them and and setting up a company to try to kind of commercialize the lessons in prime to perform. But let me tell you what the formula for motivation is because I think it's, for me, a, a, a really, talking about leadership moments, another really important moment for me. So what they essentially say, and this is simplifying it, is that the way that you motivate people is through three different levers or motivators one is play so if you can make something fun um, then you can get people to want to do it or put differently one of the reasons people do things is because they enjoy doing them and that's the play motive so if you have a hobby then you do it because of the play motive it's fun to do it in general so that's motive number one motive number two is purpose so if you are doing something because you value the outcome of it then that's being fueled by the purpose motive. And then the third motive is potential. So if you're motive, uh, if you're motivated by, by progressing or learning as a result of doing something, that's potential. And essentially what they did is lots of research to show that, first of all, play is more important than purpose is more important than potential. Oh. So there's a kind of a weighting to yeah. them in a sequence. But secondly, if you can get people to feel lots of play, purpose and potential at work, then that has a direct relationship to their own performance and the performance of the business. And so I just found that. Re- and the book is brilliant. I'd recommend it to anybody. And it just yeah. really helped me think as I turn up as a leader, how can I create play, purpose and potential so people can right. um, can really just do their best work and be motivated?
0: Right. Because nothing in there says manage deadlines.
1: Measure <laughs> right. APIs. Yeah. It's not, right, and, that's, you know, and, and you use the word manage there brilliantly. So you know, and it's a, not a new concept, but it's an important one, which is there's a difference between managing people and managing process, etc., and actually leading. Yes. You know, and, and just to bring this to life with with another just super quick story. So my brother is a teacher, and I'm really proud of him. He works; he's a vice principal in a big school in the UK, and when I and he works really hard. And he does really well. And when I ask him, hey, what you know, why do you get out of bed in the morning? Like, why do you work so hard? Because he has other friends of his, he tells me in the teaching profession, who don't, they just turn up and kind of clock in and clock out and they kind of enjoy their work, but they're not really giving, they're not bringing it. And he says, well, I love being in the classroom. He said, I just love the buzz of it. I love the interaction. It's just, it's joy for me. Play. He says and i feel like when i'm getting up and i'm turning up at work i'm making a difference in people's lives purpose and then he says i'm really motivated by the next level so actually i really wanted to become a vice principal i really want to become a principal because of what the impact that i can have so he's feeling like every day he's motivated by potential because he's learning and developing and therefore he does really well
0: right and it goes back to motivation but also commitment too because i I think that's the other gap that we have is we think we're committed to things when we're really not, right? We think we're committed to change or to grow or to do something hard. And I'm, I'm actually realizing this coming off the mountain. Do you know how many people, and you've probably had this, oh my gosh, I've always thought about doing that. And right, everybody... And then I'm like, yeah, let me know, right? I can give you some tips. And then I don't ever hear anything from them, right? There's not right. a commitment to it. It's just a, like, that's interesting, right? But like, how much of our lives are we just like interested about versus actually committed to doing 100%. something different or better?
1: You know, and that this this is really, I, I love this chat about the reaction people gave you to the mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I found there was sort of a few different categories of people. There were some yeah. people who said, yeah, that's not for me. Yeah. Right. I, oh, great I love the fact you're doing that but I would never do that and they kind of own it and know it. great then there are other people on the other end of the spectrum who are oh yeah I've done it or I'm really thinking about doing it and they're actually actively engaged and, and for whatever reason and that's another whole conversation but then there's this interesting sort of category in the middle who say oh, I've always wanted to do that oh yeah I've you know it's on my bucket list too or yeah one day I'm going to do that and you kind of just know that that's not really what it's going to take. They're probably not going to do it. And it's because of right. what you said. It's There is a big difference between saying you're going to do something and then actually going for it. And it's sometimes it's politeness and it's not a criticism of people, but you're right, sometimes to do a really difficult thing or to go through change, for example, which is a more sort of everyday thing, right. need to not just nod mm-hmm. along to it, but you need to actually do stuff and commit to you know, sometimes what might be a difficult path to get there, but it's better on the other side. And, mm-hmm. and, and if you know that, then you can commit.
0: So when you look at your own leadership, right, philosophy and approach, you know, you're on the superpower success podcast. So we love to talk about this idea of superpowers, right? That we all have innate things that you, yours are different than mine, mine are different than yours that we bring to the table, Right. From a leadership standpoint, where are your strengths are your superpowers? Like what do you think you really bring to the table as a leader?
1: Um, I think do I think. So one is uh, stories. So I love you know as you can you know I've already stopped myself <laughs> sometimes. you know I do love a good story and and I love not just uh, the reason I love a good story is because I feel that gets emotionally gets me emotionally and it gets other people it's how people learn it's how people connect it's what people remember and so for me knowing that and knowing that I feel you know talking of motivation I feel play telling stories I feel purpose telling stories and also I enjoy once I be- I became obsessed by storytelling and then I I tried to get better at it so what does that look like so I think that's one thing that that I, I think is important that I, I spend a lot of time thinking about the other piece is that I think is a superpower for me is I trying to create positive experiences for people and I know it sounds a bit kind of soft but for me one of the things that you're trying to do as a as a leader is create belief create confidence and create that commitment that you're talking about and you can only talk people into that so much so the real way to do it is to give them an experience that creates that belief um and so that's something that I, I again i think i think i'm good at doing which is okay what can we do around this piece of work for example to make it fun or what can we do to make sure we're really learning from this project or what can we do to make sure that we're getting live feedback and we can really see the impact we're having so 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 real good experience design and you know where that again? Talking about storytelling, where I think that where I I first learned the power of positive experiences was um, strangely in a poetry competition when I was about nine. Okay, so a lot of this go this is going, we're going deep now. Going of course, childhood. you were in a
0: poetry competition. Well, no, like, but, but, there's nothing you could tell me; I'd be surprised. So at
1: so that. so this was a strange experience because I, I was at this school and this new headmaster. Uh, came in and actually with his wife ran this school and they were really kind of um, progressive and they came in and they said right we're going to do a big theater it was a boys school we're going to do a big theater production every year they picked west side story this was a school up for boys up to 13 years old that was their first one interesting choice Um, and so they were really progressive and they really brought a lot of arts and stuff like this in, into the school. And one of the things that they started was a poetry competition. Mm-hmm. And so everyone entered, and for some reason, my mum my got really into this for me. And she was like helping me pick the poems and all this kind of stuff. And I entered and we picked the, uh, a poem by Lewis Carroll called The Jabberwock. I think it was mm-hmm. Jabberwock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a brilliant poem. And it's all in kind of a crazy language and what have you. And so me and my mum learned this poem and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and I thought every other kid was doing the same so I turn up on poetry competition day and all these kids were turning up and kind of reading off pieces of paper and they're not really like because I had a whole performance I've been doing it for weeks and so <laughs> going I for the up after. I, was like, I was like the Jabberwock by Lewis Carroll and the first line is twas brillig and the slithy toads And I kind of gave it like a sort of festival. I was like, it was brilliant. And the slide, I've had actions and everything. And then was a bit taken aback. And and I won the poetry competition. And I remember being, you know, quite proud. But I remember going back to my mum and my mum saying, oh, brilliant. You know, you did so well. You know, we worked so hard. You really deserve that. And I kind of created this belief in my head around two things. One is, hey, and I remember I'm young. I'm like, Hey, you're really good at this simon you're really good at standing on your feet so you should do more of that and so next poetry competition i'm going for it all the school players i'm going for it so i start to get lots of opportunities to practice i get better and better not because i was naturally good but because i was practicing a lot the second thing that it created in my in my mind i think was a belief that if you try hard enough at something if you work hard enough at something then you'll get good at something and so all the way back to your question around superpowers I learned that if you can create these positive experiences that get people to believe in themselves that get people to believe in the cause then actually they'll do more of it they'll believe positively they'll start practicing they'll get involved with it and that can actually be a a huge thing so I think that's the second thing I, I I really try to do with the teams that I work with
0: I love it what do you do for your own growth how do you invest in your own growth?
1: Um, so I, so I am, I'm 46. I've got two young kids, <laughs> me and my wife work full time. So we are, we are, you know, we haven't got a lot of, there's not a lot of movie watching for us. <laughs> in these, you know, we're, we're really working hard. So, and the reason I share that context is, you know, I don't, I don't right now have a huge amount of space to do things so so how do I do that because everyone needs space to grow so the the first thing that me and my wife do is we try to carve out chunks of time for ourselves during the year to do something just for us and rather than say hey I'm going to do half an hour a day on this thing it's actually hey I'm going to take a week away I'm going to go and I'm going to do something magical, and that is our origin story. Of great, course, great. So right. that was an example of, hey, I need just to go and do something for my me for me that's not just incremental to my day, but is actually going to be really transformative and 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 take me away. And it's a big investment. But so that's that's one thing. The other thing that I try to do is just always be thinking about as I am stretching my around other people Mm -hmm. helping myself understand what can I take away from this that is either good or bad so I think it's just a constant reflection of you know what am I learning from this experience that I should be repeating and what am I learning from this experience that I should not be repeating and without you know without getting too deep into it I think that reflection cycle Mm -hmm. is for me such an underpin of any growth it means you can get growth from anywhere all the time but you need to be constantly doing it to reflect then practice something different or practice something in a new way and then just kind of continually reflect so that's how i a try to create carve out time right. because it's hard to do it any other way and then also sort of almost embed it in everything I that i do. That.
0: Because I know 80% of people listening are in a similar situation to you. And like, when do I have time, right, to invest in my growth? So it's got to be not something you do on top of your other life commitments. It's something I love that idea of it's a reflection cycle you just build in.
1: And how do you, because I'm curious, you've, you know, climbed mountains, have, you know, four kids, you've written books, you've got, you know, I could go on. So how do you do it?
0: so mine's similar, but I I actually love this reflection cycle. I don't know. I don't maybe I do do it. And I'm just I'm not thinking about it. I'm I love to read. I don't actually read books. I love reading Harvard Business Review and Mm -hmm. McKinsey or, you know, like, like, I just love educating myself. I'm super curious. But I actually think a lot of my growth, I don't think I know a lot of my growth comes from the work I do with clients right i they pay me to do the work i do and for any of my clients that are listening like just right but i learn <laughs> just as much as i give right i'm kind con- i'm so curious about their industry and how they make decisions and, and that supply chain issue and so i'll ask questions and so i learn in the moment too
1: right see that's and and that's i i, I love that and i think that's you know I, I think that also gives me heart i'm like oh wow i'm growing there as well because i feel the same way and i think what that also raised an interesting question is what what makes a great client and actually a great client I think is one where you both there's not a transactional relationship where you are constantly sort of we're here to know all the answers and bring everything and be brilliant actually of course you bring some expertise and experience and some kind of approaches but actually when you create a dynamic when you're learning together and you can be quite open about that I think that, you know, I, I, that's when I look back at, you know, sort of projects I've worked on where I've really enjoyed it. And actually the, the output has been the best. Yeah. It's been where we've been both bringing things together and also learning because the, the outcome hasn't been clear at the beginning, which is why we're there in the first place.
0: Right. I call it a two-way energy exchange too, right? The yes. energy doesn't just flow in one direction. It flows in both. And I think that creates the best partnerships, the best relationships, you know, all of those things. So That's amazing. So to kind of wrap up this piece before we get into the bonus round. So Mm. the, the fun questions at the end, kind of given everything that we've talked about, right? There's leaders listening to this that have a hundred things on their plate every day (laughs) that they know they should do and they should get better at. What's one thing that you would say, start here?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think, um, You know, I mentioned before this play, purpose, potential kind of motivational piece. I think thinking about designing your your role and it can also be your your week, you know, and also the roles of the people around you in a customized way that's oriented towards their own play, purpose and potential, I think is always always a a good place to start. And the reason I start there is if you don't do that, then kind of. It's hard. You can do a lot of other things, but they're really not getting at the root cause. So for me, it's, you know, every day going, okay, how am I going to make sure that I'm feeling motivated through, you know, enjoying the work, feeling like I'm making a difference and learning? And then that's day to day management. And then more broadly, how am I making sure that my, you know, my chapter of my career, or where I'm at right now or the portfolio I'm working on gives me that that. And then more broadly, it's then how do I make sure that the people around me are feeling as much as that? So it's sort of an, in, you know, classic, you know, me team kind of context piece. But yeah. I think that's always the first place to start about. And 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 because, if, like I said, if you get that right, then everything else somehow becomes easier.
0: I love the word design. And we talk about that a lot with our clients is you, it, design is intentional. Design doesn't happen. Right. And so you have to be intentional about it for it to then actually produce the results you're looking for. So I, that's brilliant. And, and, and the other thing
1: about design, I think, is design also implies it's not a one size fits all sometimes. And, you know, you could argue that kind of um, from a linguistic point of view. But what I find is when, when you think about design, it's sort of what's right for you and what's right for me and what's right for everyone else. And and making sure that it's as custom as possible, because where people find motivation or where people find joy is, is actually pretty different and that's okay. And that makes yeah. the world great. Um, But it's all about like being conscious about it. And that's where you said, like you said, design comes into it.
0: 100%. Okay. Let's get into the bonus round of questions right. here. So three quick questions that um, just kind of, kind of rapid fire. So right. the first one is if you could have coffee with any historical figure, dead or alive, who would it be and why?
1: Um, I mean, I would say, God, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, it'd probably be Obama, I think. Okay. And I know he's, a you know, and it's not strictly speaking, I don't know if that's historical or not. Yeah. But only because um, such a profound, I, I was here when he was elected in the US first time. To see people run around in the streets and witness it for myself Right, was profound to yeah. me and you know with without getting into the political kind of side of this for me i talked about storytelling before yeah. and hearing him tell stories was such a yeah. profound you know moment for me so i think that would, that would be it I and mean, i'm sure yeah. i can think you know there's others i love it no yeah. yeah
0: that's great what do you hope the world will look like in 5 years right you have kids just like i do like what what is your hope
1: i hope that i hope that technology this is going to sound a bit weird, but just chills out a bit.
0: (laughs) No, it's not weird. And and the reason
1: for that is, you know, I've got a seven-year-old boy who is not allowed on social media, but he started to game and he's, you know, oh, I want to chat with this person. This person trying to chat. No, you can't chat with anyone. But I can see from my friends who have older kids, yourself, you know, you would be, I'm sure, lots of experience around this. And it just feels slightly frightening to me Mm -hmm. what it can do and how it can make kids in particular think. So I think it's, my theme would be technology chilling out part of that is also thinking about ai and i know this is the big hot thing right now but making sure that there are some you know there's some conscious choices we're making around how to use that and how to make sure that it can be used for great positive reasons versus not
0: right where it can go wrong it's exactly
1: Right. right exactly
0: okay and then the last one is what does being ridiculously human mean to you when i say those words what does that mean?
1: I think it is uh, sharing yourself. So, you know, being really, really brutally authentic about who you are and your mistakes you've made and when you don't know something, I think that for me is when I I, I get so much joy from people, this is going to sound a bit silly as well, so much joy from people being imperfect and making mistakes I just think it's great and and so I really try to not be perfect you know and 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 make mistakes publicly and sort of acknowledge them and I think that you know I find that I get the most from people when they do that with me and hopefully vice versa
0: you know thank you for that and it brings me back to the mountain a little bit right i'm looking at you and going we spent 7 days being completely imperfect yeah don't shower Right. And there's like, I mean, there wasn't anything that could make us like, look at how fancy I am. Look at how nice of stuff I have. Look at how yeah. right all of that stuff we get caught up in. And it was just us humans together having I mean, you saw me in some of my toughest moments. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like we're literally where I wanted to give up. Right. where there's people that I've known my whole life that haven't seen me in those types of moments. And and it was the human aspect of that.
1: That is it, it, it's so true. And I remember we so for those of you who haven't been you know climbing this particular mountain it's 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 seven days and it's pretty intense and they kind of don't tell you about this moment <laughs> in it okay and i spoke to a few people in the build-up should i do kilimanjaro oh yeah you'll love it great you know mm-hmm. and and what they didn't tell me is about summit night Yeah. so on the night of day five you walk through the day and then you have a rest and essentially at midnight you start summiting from base camp up to, you know, the top of the mountain. And it's something like eight or nine hours and it's in minus 30 degrees mm-hmm. darkness on a ledge in a long line um, with, you know, a, a pack on your back and, you know, wind coming across, yeah. you're hungry, you're tired and you're with people, it, you know, you don't know that well, although you have form mm-hmm. the Bantu and i think to see everyone in that moment just commit to going up together looking at each other in the eye and and not looking great let's be honest and and lots of things going down and being completely vulnerable and completely at the mercy of the mountain and each other is that's how you create relationships that's how you create trust and that's when you are you know to use your term ridiculously human it's when you are at that kind of place and then you can come through the other side and you know and and just rejoice and that's what we did and that's why it's so exciting to you know and we were talking about it just before we started talking on the the podcast which was can't wait to see the rest of the group even though we spent a comparatively short amount together but the bonds that we create were amazing because we were so ridiculously human together
0: right and I think this is, I guess, the message. I just love this. And, you know, we're not spending the whole time talking about the mountain, but the message is that when you boil it all down, we're all human. Our political beliefs, what country, what, you know, religion, what, we're all human. I mean, I'll never forget being, I, I there's very little I remember actually about the summit night. Cause I think I was like blacked out for half of it. But I remember standing there and being so exhausted and looking you in the eye and just telling you, I don't know if I can do this. And you literally just, we have like how many layers of clothes on? And you just put my head on your shoulder and like just chilled there. And I don't even know if you remember that, but I was just like, there was like, I didn't know you five days before that. I didn't know anybody else, but you were just like, we got this. And I got you, right? Human to human, we're going to get it.
1: And and even though at that moment, I was probably doubting myself as well. 100%. I think this is a brilliant. So the fact that you were showing me that. And the fact that I could be there for you was was what got me through as well. Right. So it wasn't it's such a two way exchange of yeah. me saying, you know what, you've got this, and therefore I've got this is is just why it's so important to be put it out there. And that was obviously a very extreme situation, but the right. same principle applies in more micro ways. I think every day, which That's you know is 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 great. Good. So I'm gonna I'm now going to focus on that for the rest of the weekend.
0: That's sweet. I love it. I love it. So I don't use this word lightly. I love you. I love the group that we have formed. And I really mean that human to human. And I appreciate you coming on here, you sharing your wisdom, sharing your stories, which I knew you would have, we could have done this for two hours and people (laughs) probably would have listened to it. Um, But I just appreciate you sharing your stories and being authentic with me because that's what changes the dialogue out there. When other people hear Mm -hmm. us, I think that's how we have an impact. So thank you for that.
1: An absolute pleasure. I love it. And I, you know, this is, this is such important stuff. And I think it's about just about how we turn up and do well in life. And so thanks for having me on. And this has been a real honor. And I look forward to, uh, you know, tuning in in the future.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, everybody.